Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. But we're glad that you are joining us in this way and, uh, and taking advantage of, of the technology. I'm, I'm thankful that over the years we have invested in and thanking our congregation. Thank you for the investment that you've made in the technology that you're enjoying today that we can provide an online experience in a way um, that, that we believe is at least a way to keep us all connected, and I think that that is important. Uh, we've been doing a series here at Joy, and this is our fourth week of the series, and I, 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 I've, I've prayed about how to say this. I don't want to ever imply that I'm this super spiritual person, because um, I'm not, <laughs> and uh, anybody that knows me well uh, knows that I'm not necessarily, but I do pray, and I do believe God, and I do believe I hear the Spirit of God, and, and, and for me personally, a theme over the last, I remember a couple of months ago saying that the, our theme until Easter is going to be Seize the Day. And it's going to be found in a scripture in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, that we have been using over the last couple of weeks. And in Ephesians 5.15, it says, be careful how you live. Be careful to live your life wisely, not foolishly. And this week, I know none of you have done this, but this week we have seen people living foolishly. How else can you explain the fact? I, I, honest, I honestly thought that when I first started hearing reports that you, people couldn't buy toilet paper, it was because all of Joy Christian Center was buying toilet paper to fill up for the bus. And uh, now we have put locks on the bus. We feel like we better be careful about the bus because that's full of toilet paper. I shouldn't even maybe be saying that actually right now. Now I believe better of you in that. Uh, uh, but but we've seen we've seen the result of what happens when people live foolishly or respond to fear. And 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 that's what Paul was writing. Be careful to live your life wisely, not foolishly. Verse sixteen has been our theme. Take advantage of every opportunity. Other translations would say things like make the most of an opportunity, seize the moment, seize the day. And then he says, because these are evil times. And I've been asking the question over the last couple of weeks, how do I seize the day when the day is evil? How do I, how do I make the most of an opportunity when it seems like everything is against me, when it seems like this day is evil? And, and so what I began to realize over the last couple of weeks, and particularly this week, and it is astounding to me how quickly things moved from even Wednesday afternoon at noon until about, when, you know, about 10 or 11 o'clock on Wednesday night, and then all of the dominoes that began to fall, the ripple effect of what began to happen over the next couple of days, and, and, and it just astounds me how quickly things changed, how quickly things moved, how quickly this, this country just did all kinds of things, and... and, and I, I, early on, I was like, I don't agree necessarily, and I don't know how I feel about this. And, and I, I, I came to a point where it, I realized it really doesn't matter what I think. What I think matters very little. What I need to understand to help people is how are they thinking? How are they processing the events? What's going on? And as we gathered as a team in our leadership areas and things, and, and I began to kind of press that idea that even though we may have an opinion, even though we might think some things, um, we need to understand where other people are, are, are at. And, and, and to me, that ties in so well with, I think, the thought that we have been, been saying and the question that we've been asking, how do I seize the day when it's an evil day? Because our natural inclination and tendency in an evil day when we're experiencing pain, when we're experiencing those things, our natural tendency is to think only of us. It's o to think only of what I need. And, and, and I think that, I believe that God wants better of us, expects more of us in that, in that way. And so... 
as I hear many, many ministers, you know, we have a special message for you this Sunday. I'm kind of glad that we can say, you know what, we're carrying on with the message that we've been saying over the last couple of weeks. I believe that God has positioned us. I believe that God has given us some, some things to consider and think about in the midst of this. When we're experiencing the day that we are, an unprecedented day, how can you and I, how can this church, how can we, the body of Christ, leverage this as an opportunity not to be afraid, leverage this as an opportunity not to get in fear, not to follow the masses, but use this as an opportunity for our faith to grow, develop, and expand to such a degree that it ministers to the people that are around us. And that's what Jesus did. Once again, I want to read Hebrews chapter 12. It says, keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished the race that we are in and study how he did it. Jesus seized the day. This is referring to, to what we call Good Friday, the time that he was crucified. And, and, and Jesus seized that moment that was an evil day for him, and it turned out to be a great day for you and for me. He goes on, he says, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finishing in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, the shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in faith, and this is what the evil day will do, the evil day will cause your faith to be shaken. And I think that, you know, and uh, you know, well, I see a lot of things reminding us to do what we should do every day anyway, and that is to keep our confidence in God, keep our faith in God. And so again, he says, when you find yourself flagging in faith, and I'm sure that many, many people have had their faith tested this week. God, what's going on? I don't understand. And this is hard, and this is difficult, and fear tries to invade your life and grip your heart. And, and so here the writer of Hebrews is telling us, when you find yourselves in the position of the evil day, then go over that story again item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. That will bring faith. It will bring energy. It will bring encouragement into your life. It will cause your hope to be secure in Christ as we consider what Jesus <clears throat> has done for us. And so this fourth thing that Jesus said from the cross, we've covered three of them already. Encourage you to go back online, look at those things. Uh, they're all archived. They're all recorded there. You can go back and learn from those things. But in Matthew chapter 27, Jesus makes this fourth statement from the cross, one that many, many of you are probably more familiar with. It says at about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Here's Jesus on the cross, his heavenly father, and he asks a question that to our hearing at first might be like, man, that's just Jesus. How could you even say that? And yet I think is very, very common to all of us. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Let me cough correctly. <coughs> Doing the dab here this morning. By the way, I did have a cold. I went to the doctor. I'm okay. I'm on an antibiotic and all of those things. So for those of you that might be wondering about that, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, and so again, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And this idea, this thought perhaps is one of the, one of the more, more, most common questions that people will ask God or ask of God or ask other people. This feeling of being abandoned, this feeling that God has forsaken us, this feeling that, that, and I see it in a lot of different ways being expressed, God, where are you in this moment? Or I've seen kind of the, the other side of it where people are like, well, God is dead, or God's not listening, or God's not concerned, or, 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 or God's not available right now, God's busy right now, those kinds of things. 
And, I, and I, I think that it's important that when Jesus asks this question, God, why have you forsaken me? There's a couple of things that, again, are revealed, I think, in his humanity. And there's a, there's a theological side that, that God was judging sin. Jesus was becoming sin for your sin and for my sin. He was taking the sin of the world upon himself. And so as a person who was condemned, as a person who was a sinner, he was feeling that for the first time. He was feeling that the presence of God was, was, was in a sense, not right there. But I think something else in his hum humanity speaks to you and I and perhaps in this situation that we're feeling right now in, in what's happening with the coronavirus and all of the other things that are going on is, God, where are you? God, where are you? And that's a legitimate question. That is a question I think that every believer has felt at some time in their lives, God, I've been praying, God, I've been asking, God, I've been reading the Bible, I've been doing all of these things, but it seems like you've abandoned me. It seems like things are, are, are going different. And, and it's not just us that, it, that has done this. We find this idea, this thought through the Bible. Moses said this, God, why don't you treat your people as they deserve? God, you're not being fair right now. You're not being just right now. Jeremiah said, why did the wicked prosper? Why does it seem, God, that, that the people that are doing evil, at least in what you say, it seems like they're prospering and being blessed. David, over and over in the Psalms, he was asking many times, God, why have you abandoned me? God, why does it seem like you've let me down? God, where are you? And today, a lot of people might ask it in a little bit different way of, God, why didn't you show up in my crisis? God, why didn't you show up and I ended up going through a divorce or a tragedy in my family or my business failed? Why is that? And many times... You know, those, those are honest questions. And I don't think God shies away from honest questions. I don't think God shies away from those things. And I don't think that God is bothered by those hard and those difficult questions. In fact, sometimes it's a fair question. Because we feel like, if God, you're really out there, and if God, you really love everybody, then why are these things happening in this world? And I, I, I want to take a swing at a couple of things this morning as a way to maybe help you, and I, I don't share, the, this isn't just a couple of Bible verses and let's be done and all of those kinds of things. These are some weighty, weighty questions, and I don't, I, don't, I don't want to give the wrong impression, the wrong idea either, and so I need you to really pay attention and listen to, 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 to these next couple of things, because here's a couple of possible reasons why maybe things are happening the way that they are happening in your life. I'm not talking about the coronavirus and a worldwide pandemic. I'm talking about things in our life every single day. We need to understand a couple of things. Three possible reasons to the question why or God, where are you? God, why have, have you abandoned me? And, and it might be something, I don't mean to imply simplicity, but it might be as something as simple as, as the idea that you and I are a part of or we're victims of a broken world. This world does not operate the way that God originally intended for this world to operate. In the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, we see Adam and Eve. We see what God created. We see what God's intention was, that he created abuse, a place of beauty and a place of plenty. His Bible says that he created trees for beauty, trees for us to look at. He created trees for us to, to eat from. That's who God is, and that's what God, he created a wonderful, wonderful place, and he dwelt with, he inhabited, and he lived among his, the, the people that were there, Adam and Eve. And he said, Adam and Eve, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to replenish this earth with people that are designed just like you to enjoy everything that, that, that I have created. And then in the third chapter of the book of Genesis, we see that the enemy, the devil, he came in, tempted Adam and Eve. They sinned and they fell. 
We call it the fall in the garden, and, and sin entered in. At that moment, everything became corrupt. At that moment, <clears throat> the things that God set up, the relationship that he desired, there was a separation. And Adam and Eve began to replenish, to multiply, to fill the earth with people who were just like them. But the problem was that sin had already entered in. The law of sin and death that separated humanity from God had already entered into their existence, into their lives, and that was passed on. It caused a, a domino effect, a ripple effect that we feel the effects of today. This world is, 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 is fallen, and it is far away from what God originally intended. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes and says that Satan became the God of this world, that he has a, a, a limited but a <clears throat> certain amount of authority in this world. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be careful. Watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. Jesus warned us in John 16 and 33, he said, I've told you all of this so that you would have peace where? In me. Not peace in the world, not peace because of what's going on, not peace in my feelings or in my emotions necessarily. My peace is in him. Here on earth, you're going to have troubles, trials, and sorrows. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus said there's an overcomer and conquering spirit on the inside of me. Even though we live in a fallen world, even though we live in, a, in, a, in an age where there's a lot of chaos and chaotic things that happen, God is still here. God is still care. God still cares, and He's still for us and not against us. Second reason, and this is a little bit of a tougher one. Maybe you brought it on yourself. Maybe you brought it on yourself. Um, there are consequences sometimes for our behaviors, and we don't like those consequences sometimes. And you know, people. Well, I don't understand why I'm always. You know, you know, the devil is, is as we read. He's he's a tricky enemy. Well, I don't understand. How come I lost my license? Well, you were beer bong and you drank 12 beers. You got a DUI. You got your license taken away. It's not God's fault. I don't understand why I'm always behind financially. Well, you're, you overbought with a car and a house. You only make 25000 a year. And, and so those are, those are things that sometimes we bring on ourselves. And it isn't that God doesn't love us. It isn't that God hasn't already told us, here are some things that if you live this way, are going to help you out. God's pretty smart. Sometimes we bring those things on ourselves, and Galatians 6 says this, don't be misled. Remember that you cannot ignore God and get away with it. A man will always reap just the kind of crop that he sows. If he sows to please his own wrong desires, then he will be planting seeds of evil, and he will surely reap a harvest of spiritual decay and death. But if he plants the good things of the Spirit, he will reap everlasting life that the Holy Spirit gives to him. You reap what you sow. Welcome to Joy Christian Center, our online experience where we exist to make you feel good about yourself. Sorry, I, I, I don't know how to say that any other way. I, the reality is we live in a fallen world and sometimes just stuff happens. This is life. Sometimes it's because we've made, and I know we've all done this, we've all made decisions, we've all acted on an impulse that we would later wish, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Listen to the scripture in John chapter 1, or John chapter 9 and verse 1. And I think this is a question that, that, I think that sometimes in Christianity, in the, in the church world, people have heard this. You're going through tough things and, and bad things are happening because you're a sinner or because you've done something wrong or God's mad at you or God, God's, God, you know, whatever it is. And we preached guilt and we preached condemnation and that may not always be the case. 
In John chapter 9 and verse 1, it says, as he went along, speaking of Jesus, he saw a man blind from his birth. Now, that's tragic. That's horrible for the person. It's tragic and horrible for the parents. A lot of questions, I'm sure, that were being asked. Verse 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? I don't know why we always want to point blame. We want to figure, why did this happen? Was it his, this man or was it his parents that he was born blind? Was it because, and he was you know, born blind, so obviously the guy didn't have enough time to sin, right? Because he's born blind. He didn't have enough time to do some horrible evil thing. So it must be the parents' fault. Parents' fault that the kid is now born blind. And I love what Jesus said. You know, either or. Was it the guy? Was it the parents? Jesus said neither. He said kind of a little bit of a confusing thing. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. The individual action wasn't the problem. The individual action wasn't the reason. Jesus said, but this happened. In your place right now where you're sitting, say, it happened. There are things that happen. It could happen because we live in a fallen world. It could happen because maybe you violated one of the principles of God. But it happened. This virus that we're experiencing, it happened. People are arguing over where it came from, what we should call it. It happened. It's here. So what do we do? What do we do when we're in the evil day? What do we do when life hands us an evil day? What do we do when it feels like God has abandoned us? It feels like we have been forsaken. What do we do? Is it because of some horrible sin? Is it because of something where God is angry, where God is upset, or God is mad? Jesus said, but this happened. And here's, I think, another reason that sometimes in the evil day we lose sight of, but it could be something that God has for us. Number three, maybe God wants to do something big in or through us. Maybe the difficulty you are in right now, Pastor Tim, a couple of weeks ago, he talked about when the, 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 the thief on the cross, Jesus and the thief were experiencing the same thing, and yet Jesus was able to minister to him out of that pain, the same pain that he was experiencing. And sometimes, maybe God has put us in a position, or maybe life has put us in a position that we can leverage it, that we can use it, that we can use it as, an, as a vehicle whereby we can bring honor and glory to God, or God is wanting to teach us something about ourselves. That maybe, just maybe, your faith in God and your strength that comes from God isn't as weak as you thought it was. And something difficult happened to you, and you withstood it, and it caused your faith to grow and to become stronger. And I kind of think this is where we are at as, as, as believers today. God's wanting to develop something in us. God's wanting, and I'm not saying he caused this, not saying he did this. Again, it happened. And we're in it. What do we learn from it? How do we leverage it? How do we, how do we use it? I think we're familiar with the idea that maybe it's something that the enemy meant for evil. He meant for harm. He meant for destruction. But when we give it to God, we trust God in it. When we do that, God can turn it for good. Now, again, and I want you to be careful in how you hear this. Again, I'm not saying God does these things. I'm not saying God allows these things. What I'm telling you is these things happen. And it is fruitless to try to ask the question of why or where or how. It it, it will lead you, it will lead your emotions, it will lead you to places you don't want to go. 
We can wonder these things in our heart. We can bring them before God. But we cannot base our actions in our life on that question of why. We cannot, we cannot, and Pastor Steph reminds me of this often, that we cannot lower our theology to the level of our pain to try to define or understand God. We have to go to God first and submit our pain and our misunderstandings to him, ultimately trusting first and foremost he is good and he is God and he is powerful. And he's for us. He's not against us. And that's who our God is. The Old Testament story of Joseph, and you may or may not know the story, but Joseph, God made a promise to him. You are going to rule, basically. You're going to rule one day. And he went through many, many difficult things. And part of the reason he went through those difficult things was because he wasn't ready to be a ruler. He wasn't ready for something. And he needed to be developed. He needed some growth. He needed some things to be accomplished in his life so that when he did step into that role of leadership, he was ready for what was about to happen. And sometimes those moments that we experience that are painful, that are difficult, that do not make sense, when we continue to trust God, when we continue to lean upon him and his promises and put them first in our life, we will see that God will bring things into our life and into our heart. And eventually what God meant or what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it for good. Now, it may not be good the way you thought it was going to be good. It may not be good the way that it looked like from the beginning, but it will be something that is good. It'll be good in you, and it will be good in people around you. And I think that's, to me anyway, one of the most important things of this moment we're in right now. Whether we realize it or not, people are watching. The world is watching. What is our response going to be in the face of, of, of what we're experiencing right now and perhaps we'll continue to experience for the next weeks and months? I believe, personally believe, that God has positioned every believer in this church and things that, 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 that we have endeavored to accomplish and to do, that there's a moment right now that we can seize. And I'm praying and I'm asking God and I'm asking people around me, what can we do right now? How can we make a difference? How can we, instead of responding like everybody else and hoarding and being afraid and doing all of that stuff, how can we, I was, you know, making a little bit light of with the toilet paper and, and, and we don't have the, the, the supplier access to do something like that, but uh, I think there's things that we can do. We're going to pray about that and believe God for, for that and ways that we can reach out to the healthcare communities or in our area, be a blessing in those ways and, and things like that. Because what the enemy meant for evil, we're going to let God use us to do good. If you're at home, say amen. Praise God. Well, you are at home, but say amen anyway. James 1 says this, brothers and sisters. You're going to face all kinds of troubles. Just, just like Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have some persecution. When you do, when you face the trouble, when you're evil, in the evil day, when you do, think of it as pure joy. Counterintuitive, don't want to do it. Woohoo! yay, thank you for the coronavirus. I'm so excited. No, that, that's not necessarily. You have to consider this. You have to think about it. You have to, as an act of your will, make the decision, I'm going to be joyful. Verse 3, your faith will, your faith will, your faith will be tempted. And as the writer of Hebrews said, when you feel your faith flagging in the evil day, then consider Jesus. Again, he says, your faith is going to be tested. You know that when this happens, it will produce in you the strength to continue. 
The testing that your faith is going through right now is producing something in you. It is working something in you. Verse 4, and you must allow this strength to finish his work. Shelly and I, we've been doing this for 40 years. (laughs) We've been through some things on this journey. We've had some experiences in life where our faith has been tempted. Our faith has been tested. Our faith has been tried. We've gone through things we don't ever want to go through again. And, and, And we've been in areas and situations like, I don't know what's going on, why everything is crazy. But we've continued to stay steadfast in our faith and our hope and our trust in God. And coming through it, even though we may not understand why something happened, we do understand and know that it produced peace in us. Sometimes it produced grace in us. We experience pain and understand what it's like for people. We, we came through a season in our life, man, financially it was tough. But we decided, we made the decision, we're going to honor God. Even though we, it doesn't make sense, even though it doesn't seem like it's possible, we're going to honor God. And it seemed more convenient to not, we could justify God, you know what, we really need this, we don't have it. And we made the decision to continue to honor God. Well, that gives us a passion and a, com- and a compassion. We know what it's like, number one, to feel like you will never get out of debt. We know what it is like to feel like <laughs> you can't go out to eat, you can't buy a hamburger. And your kids are asking you to go to McDonald's and you can't do it. We know what that feels like. We also know what, it, what happens when you continue to trust God, when you continue to believe God and put him first. We know that God brings you through and it increased our faith and our capacity to be able to help people in those ways. And so once again, he said, you must allow the strength to finish its work. And, 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 and this is so, so beautiful to me. Then you will be all that you should be. Something's being developed in you. And God's trying to get you just like he was with Joseph. Joseph was not ready to assume the leadership that God had for him. And so there were things that he had to learn and to go through so that he could be all, I hate to say it like that, that he could be all he could be. But that's what James is writing here. Then you shall be, you will be all that you should be and you will have everything that you need. You will. Because God's big. He is Jehovah Jireh. God that will supply He's a great God. So as we begin to wind this thing down and bring it to an end today, and again, thanks for, hopefully you've hung with me this long. Um, 2 Corinthians 1.3 says this. All praise belongs to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the Father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. All of our praise belongs to him. In this moment, I think one of the most important things that you could do, as we sang earlier, this is how I fight my battles. When, we're, when we feel like we are surrounded, all praise, all honor, all glory, all majesty, all worship belongs to our God. And, and I don't think, and I don't mean to say this lightly or to just say get over it, I don't know that our why, why God, how come God, and I, I don't think it matters what our why is. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8 says this. I think you ought to know, dear brothers, about the hard time that we went through in Asia. We were really crushed, and we were overwhelmed, and we feared we would never live through it. Here's the mighty Apostle Paul, great Apostle Paul, man of power, man of faith. He said, man, we felt like we were going to die. We felt like we were not going to make it through this. Verse 9, we felt we were doomed to die, and we saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. That's how a lot of people feel today. We feel powerless. We feel powerless to help ourselves. 
We felt we were doomed to die. We saw how powerless we were to help ourselves, but that was good. We say this is bad. We say this is horrible. We say this was difficult, but guess what? There's a goodness. There's a good thing that's going to happen. For then we put everything into the hands of God who alone could save us, for he can even raise the dead. He can raise the dead. All of what we're saying today and have been saying for the last three weeks and will continue to say over the next couple of weeks is being said against the backdrop of the cross. On Good Friday, on that Friday that Jesus experienced the crucifixion that he experienced, did the things that he did and asked the question, God, why have you forsaken me? All of the things, the backdrop of the cross. And as 1 Corinthians says, uh, 1 Corinthians 9 once again says this at the very, very end. He can even raise the dead. 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 On Friday, nobody understood. Good Friday, when Jesus died. Nobody understood. The disciples didn't understand. Mary was confused and all of the things that were going on. It took what nobody could understand. It took what nobody understood for God to do something that everybody needed. And we sometimes ask this question, and I think that that technically it's not the right way to ask this question. We sometimes ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, I know so-and-so, and they're a good person, and this bad thing happened to them. It doesn't make sense. Technically, technically, none of us are good people. Technically, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Technically, there's nothing good in us. The Bible says no one is righteous. No, not one. Every single one of us. It took the goodness of God and it took the greatness of God to do something that nobody understood, to provide something that everybody needed. We needed salvation. We needed the mercy of God. We needed those things. And in that moment where Jesus even cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In our moments when we don't know, in our moments where we feel like God has abandoned us, we need to be pulled back to this idea that God is good. God's mercy and grace is sufficient. So this morning in your homes, wherever you're at, I ask you to bow your heads today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this morning. And Father God, I thank you right now As we pray, first of all, for people who maybe are questioning, maybe feel abandoned right now, maybe feel like they're in a position that that life is going to continue to pass them by. Father, I thank you that just like you know the hair on our head, just like you see a sparrow that falls, that you are mindful and aware of each and every one of us in our pain, in our questions, in our our feelings of, of, of unease that we might be feeling right now. God, I thank you that your grace is sufficient. I thank you that the righteous have never been forsaken and their seed have never been left begging bread. I thank you that you promised and said that you would never leave us, that you would never forsake us. So Father, I thank you this morning that first of all, every person under the sound of our voice today in the name of Jesus begins to experience in in a fresh way, in a greater way, your great peace that passes all understanding. 
I pray that you would strengthen the body of Christ in a way that they have never been strengthened before. That in this moment of evil, in this moment of darkness, that our light would shine brighter than it has ever shined before. That, Father, the things that the enemy meant for chaos, for confusion, for destruction, that you would turn it and that you would cause the body of Christ to rise in such a way that your love and mercy would be ministered through each and every one of us to the lost, to the broken, to the hurt, and to the dying. And Father, we thank you that the moment that we live in today will not be a moment that will be lost to darkness. It will not be lost to not seeing opportunity, but it will be seized and that moments will be embraced by the body of Christ in a way that brings life to central Minnesota. And so we thank you for that in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Watch online for more updates throughout the week. We'll be keeping you posted. God bless you. Have a good, good day.